Well, if you would tonight, I'm going to have you take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, and we'll be looking this evening at verses 34 through 40. If you've been with us on Sunday nights, you know that we are looking at six great summations of the Christian life, six passages that I've chosen that help us to get to the heart and soul of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to live the Christian life. So many times we can get caught up in all the peripherals of the Christian life that we forget the innocence and simplicity of what it means to be a Christian, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a child of God. And we constantly have to ask ourselves, have I gotten so caught up in theological hair-splitting issues that have forgotten the heart of the faith. And don't misunderstand me in all of this series. There is a, an important place for good, biblical, orthodox, theological discussion. I think it's very important. It can help us as we build our lives. But it must not become the center of who we are. We must not forget what God has called us to. So far, we have looked at three Old Testament passages and one New Testament passage. We're looking at another New Testament passage tonight. Uh, Next week, we have a missionary with us. Nate Stump is going to share with us. And then the last Sunday of February, we'll look at the final New Testament passage. We have seen from Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, that Enoch walked with God. Then we saw from Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verses 13 and 14 um, that this is um, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty. This is the whole duty of man. And then we saw from Jeremiah chapter 9 verses 23 and 24. That let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let him boast in this, that he knows and understands me, that I am the Lord. And God says, for in this I delight. It is a desire for God. The Christian life is a passionate desire for God. And then we saw last week in Matthew 6, verses 33 and 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you or added unto you as well. If we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then, in essence, all of the things in our lives will take care of themselves. God will provide. God will take care. And tonight, we come to what is known as the greatest commandment of them all. And anytime we think of something like that, it ought to intrigue us, it ought to fascinate us, In Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Well, our first point tonight is the question. Without realizing it, a Pharisee who was a lawyer asked Jesus one of the most important questions a human being could ever ask. Jesus had just silenced the Sadducees. If you read the context of Matthew 22, the Sadducees had a question about the resurrection and who would be married to whom in the resurrection, and Jesus profoundly answers them, and they have no rebuttal. They have no answer for him. So the Pharisees, it says, gathered together. Verse 34, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they noticed the phrase there, they gathered together. Now, if you're a little bit aware of the relationship of the teachers of the law or the Jewish religious leaders, you may know that the Sadducees and the Pharisees really didn't get along with one another. They had some profound and significant theological differences with one another. So they didn't always like each other. However, they were unified. They were unified in their opposition to Jesus. And they respected the intellect and scholarship of each other. And so they saw or heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. And so they gathered together. They talked. Okay, how do we want to approach him? What do we want to say? Let's not make the same mistake that they just did. And so it says in verse 35, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. Now notice this, to test him. So their purpose was to test him, to try to trip him up. Now here he is called a lawyer. In the gospel of Mark, he is called a scribe because a scribe is a lawyer. He was a Jewish rabbinical attorney. Now, I think we can assume safely tonight that this particular lawyer, this particular scribe, was very good at what he did. He was probably an expert in the Mosaic Law, an expert in the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, and he probably had great rhetorical skills, and he probably was someone who thought well on his feet. He was an intelligent person. And so they picked this particular lawyer for a reason. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Here is the question. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? In other English translations, it has, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And really, the question gets to the heart of this entire series, what this entire series is about. Of all the law and all the commandments that we have in all of the Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, which one's the greatest? Which one is the most important? And for the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the law was enormous and burdensome. Not only did they have the Pentateuch, Not only did they have the Mosaic law, but they had all of these other man-made laws and traditions that they added to it. So it was huge, voluminous, 
They had all of these things that they were trying to keep track of. And for us, even as Christians, even as New Testament, New Covenant Christians, if we are honest, sometimes the law seems overwhelming. We read the Old Testament and all the different laws and even come to all the commandments of of the New Testament and trying to remember them all. It's interesting. Each year, I try to read through the Bible and I happen to be reading through the book of Leviticus. And I noticed in just one chapter, one chapter, Leviticus chapter 23, it had all of these specific requirements for keeping the Sabbath then for the Passover, then for the Feast of first fruits, then for the Feast of Weeks, then for the Feast of Trumpets, then for the Day of Atonement, then for the Feast of Booths. That's just one chapter of Leviticus, not to mention all of the other requirements listed in the book of Leviticus and listed in all of the law, in all of the Old Testament, and all of the New Testament. So I don't know about you, but yeah, I'd like to know which one is most important. I would like to know what is the greatest of all of them. That would be helpful to my simple mind to try to put everything together. Now, remember, and it is important to this context, that they are testing Jesus. They are trying to trip him up. He had made the claim of Messiahship. He claimed to be the one who was to come. He claimed to be the Messiah. So, would he get this right? Or would he say one thing that would show them that he really didn't understand the Mosaic law? Because that was especially to the Pharisees the most important. I mean, Moses was the most important person to the Jewish religious leaders and especially to the Pharisees. I mean, it was Moses who talked with God as a man talks with his friend. It was Moses in the book of Numbers who was called the most humble man on the face of the earth. It was Moses who was given the tablets. It was Moses who leads Israel out of bondage in Egypt. Moses was very important to them. Would Jesus get this right? And if they can trip him up, they can perhaps accuse him and even condemn him. Well, that brings us to our second point, and that is Jesus' answer. Jesus says, we are to love God with the entirety of our being. In verses 37 and 38, he says, or we read, and he said to him, to the lawyer, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul And with all your mind, this is the great and first commandment. Now, as I shared with you this morning, and again, didn't necessarily plan for this to work out this way, but I believe be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit is a synonym for the greatest commandment of them all. To be filled with the Spirit to let God control your entire being, every aspect of who you are, is the same as loving the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. What is really interesting here 
is the greatest commandment was part of what is known as the Hebrew Shema. Shema simply means hear. And it was part of the prayer, or it was the prayer, I should say, that every good Jewish person at this time recited twice a day. And it starts out with Hero Israel. And that's where it gets its name, the Shema, the Shema. And the Shema is comprised of text that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 11, and Numbers chapter 15. It is by far the Shema, the prayer that they prayed on a regular basis, was by far the most familiar, most quoted, and most copied section of Scripture in all of Judaism. In Jesus' day, as I mentioned, every faithful Jew recited the Shema twice a day, either alone or with their family. The basic thrust of the Shema is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. And they would gather together, sometimes holding hands together, and they would recite the Shema. And what Jesus is telling them is the greatest commandment is right in front of your face every single day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your strength. Now it is Mark in his gospel. That gives the fullness of this greatest commandment. It is only in Mark. That we find not only a threefold part. Of the human being. But the fourfold part. Mark chapter 12 verse 30. And you shall love. He records Jesus as saying. And you shall love the Lord your God. With all your heart. And with all your soul. And with all your mind. And with all your strength. And that is the most familiar rendering of the first and greatest commandment among Christians. The fourfold, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, we could break this down, and there may be some value to that. What does it mean to love God with all your heart, then with all your soul, with your mind, with all your strength? But I want to... Again, help us to see the bigger picture. Love God with every part of your life, with every part of your being. Love him intellectually. Love him emotionally. Love him with your will. Love him with all the strength that you can muster. Love God with every part of your life, with every part of your being. To just want to love him with everything that I am and with everything that I have. My being, my thoughts, my words, my actions. Then something interesting happens. Jesus, without being prompted by the lawyer, immediately adds a second commandment. The lawyer didn't ask for this, but Jesus immediately adds this. 
in verse 39, he says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And now he says we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, I want you to know or to take note tonight that the second commandment is totally dependent on the first commandment. It isn't first commandment, second commandment. It is first commandment, second commandment. Unless you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will not, you will not, you will not love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Because to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the same as be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let God have your entire being. Then, then you are to love others as you love yourself. Now keep in mind that the Pharisees had no genuine love for God or for their neighbor. The Pharisees were mainly concerned with keeping their man-made traditions and figuring who's in and who's out and whether you're with them or whether you're not with them. And so they kept meticulous uh, account of their traditions and condemned anyone, judged anyone who went outside of those traditions. Jesus says, I not only want you to love God with your entire being, but I want you to treat others exactly the way that you want others to treat you. When you are hungry, you feed yourself. When you are thirsty, you get yourself something to drink. When you are sick, you take care of yourself. You take whatever medicine you need to. You go to the doctor if you need to. If you are cold, like it is now, you keep yourself warm. Whether it's turning the heat up or putting on a blanket or getting a new winter coat or putting on layers, you do whatever you need to to keep yourself warm. If you are injured, you do whatever you need to to treat that injury. And Jesus comes along and says, the, really, the heart of the law is to treat others exactly the way you want them to treat you. Now, in Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, he gives us what we have come to know as the golden rule. And I have it, I'm going to have it on the screen for you tonight in the Amplified Bible. I, I think it just says it so well. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So then, Jesus says, so then in everything, in everything, treat others the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the essence of the law and the writings of the prophets. That's the golden rule. In everything, treat others the same way you want them to treat you. So whatever we, here's the heart of the law, whatever we do to someone, we should do in the same way we would want them to do it 
for us. Now, Jesus' final statement in this passage should challenge our, our souls and thrill our hearts for the rest of our lives. If there is a verse in this that has for years, like, knocked me off my feet, this is it. It's verse 40. This is incredible. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. It's like, really? Wow. It's almost like seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well or added unto you as well. Really? If I seek God, I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God will take care of all the other needs in my life. Mm, That's what it says. And here it says, if I keep these two commandments, some translations have on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. And the thought here is, if you're keeping these two commandments, you will be fulfilling all the law and the prophets. You will have no problem just keeping all of the law and the prophets. Everything that is written in Scripture finds its heart, finds its soul in obeying these two commandments. Think about it with me tonight. I want you to think how important verse 40 is. The basic requirements of Judaism and Christianity are summed up in the same dual commandments. Everything else, everything else In the Old Testament that God requires of believers hangs on these two commandments. Likewise, every New Testament requirement of believers is based on these two commandments. And here's how it works. If a believer loves God with his entire being, heart, soul, mind, and strength, he will never take God's name in vain. He will never worship idols. He will never fail to obey God. He will never fail to worship God. He will never fail to honor God. He will never fail to glorify the Lord. All by keeping the first and greatest commandment. Secondly, if a believer truly loves others as himself, he will automatically fulfill all of the requirements of Scripture because he will always always want what is biblically good for someone else and will never, never seek to harm them or to say anything ill about them. Isn't that amazing? If you keep these two commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Everything depends on these Two commandments hang or depend all the law and the prophets. Now, something else fascinating here that we have to go to the Gospel of Mark for. This will be on the screen so that you can see it. This lawyer, this particular scribe, is an interesting man. We don't find this in Matthew, but we do in Mark. He gets it. He is actually fascinated by Jesus' answer. He comes in to test him, to try to trip him up, but he walks away. 
fascinated by Jesus' answer. Mark chapter 12, verses 32 through 34. I want you to listen carefully to what this man who asked the original question says. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus, now watch this, and when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Look at verse 33 again. This man understands this. And to love him, to love God with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Again, wow. When you read through the Old Testament, you see the hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of lambs and goats and rams that are sacrificed to the Lord all throughout the writings of the Old Testament. And this guy gets it. He gets it. To love God with your entire being and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Wow. All more important than all of them. What is the heart of our faith? It is to love our Savior with every part of our being. To love Him who gave it all for us on Calvary. Who is the slain Lamb of God that the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down and sang a new song and worshipped Him. Do you know what they were doing in Revelation 5, joined by multitudes of angels that no one could count? They were loving him with all their beings. They were loving him with every part of who they are. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's pray together. Father, bring us to the heart of our faith. I pray that every day, knowing who we are in Christ, having our minds and souls immersed and stained by the scriptures, that it would cause us to love you 
with every part of our being. Nothing held back. And that it would cause us to love others as we love ourselves. Oh, help us to live our lives in such a way that we please you. That you are pleased with us. Oh, may our love for you be even greater than we think it could be. May you fill our capacity for love for you. In Jesus' name, amen.